Welcome to In This Case, a podcast from Hilti that goes behind the scenes at one of the most iconic brands in the world of construction. We'll talk to the people who make it all happen and ask them who, how, what if, and of course, why. Here's your host, Claire Combs. Welcome back. So far, we've looked at where good ideas come from and the process for turning those ideas into real-life innovations. Today, we ask how our teams get input from the experts, the people that trust us with their business, their productivity, and their safety. Let's get started. My name is Ute Nestler. I'm the manager for marketing research or nowadays market insights and analytics. That describes a little bit better what we actually are doing. Started in the engineering department in Europe in Shan as a numerical simulation engineer right out of college. I asked Ute to explain a little bit more about the role of market insights and analytics at Hilti. We try to gather insights for people who need to make decisions. Really, it's all about helping people make more informed decisions. So a couple of words, it would be help making decisions. So how have you seen over your more or less 15 years in the role, how have you seen our approach to gathering this primary research change over time? I think it's more of few, but also an aspiration of getting away from gathering information, a team member coming to us saying, can you please let us help conduct this survey to, okay, what decisions do you need to make? And what is actually the best way of gathering the insight that you need to make the right decisions and make more informed decisions. Sometimes a survey is not even the best way to go about something, or sometimes the questions they are asking are good questions, but they wouldn't make an impact on the decision they need to make. It would make no difference. So we're also thinking about what questions should we actually be asking and answering. So you said sometimes surveys aren't the right way. What are some of the other channels or metrics you guys use beyond surveying? Sometimes information is already there, even just a previous survey that has been done, or a company, an organization, an agency has already published information that answers the questions. It could be the Census Bureau, Statistics Canada, or organizations like IHS Market publish results, and we don't need to reinvent the wheel if it's already there. So Uda and her teammates in Market Insights and Analytics have developed an expertise in finding and sourcing good information. It makes sense that a company whose mission is to innovate and push the industry forward would have a team who are experts at asking the right questions. Sounds simple, right? The thing is that while our research team works hard to refine the methods we use to collect good information, they also work with a lot of other folks along the way. And as we will hear, those people bring their own ideas and experiences to the table. All right. My name is Annika Ensrud. I'm currently the division manager for Division 73. Annika started at Hilti as a Martin Hilti Foundation intern before progressing through roles as an account manager, regional manager, global product manager, and business unit manager for measuring. Most recently, she served as the marketing director for the West Market Organization in San Francisco, before moving to her current role as division manager. With all that experience, I asked her what she's learned the most about good market research. Here's what she had to say. 
I would say my biggest learning is, is that it's still always super important to go back to the customer. Even though I had a lot of customer experience, I had four years of customer interactions under my belt, but it was very specific to a small area where it was the Bay Area. It was one trade. And I think one of the most important pieces that I learned was it's super, super important to pull yourself back out of that experience and make sure you always go back and ask the customers as if you don't know anything. And I think at the end of the day, the role of the marketeer is to really be neutral, to not come in with an opinion and uh, ask a lot of open questions to help define what does the customer truly want? What's the voice of the customer, not what is the voice of Annika and her experience of four years in the field, what she thinks, right? Got it. So staying disciplined, understanding that we need to proactively seek input, and going beyond our own experiences and perspectives is important. Anything else we should be considering? Well, as it turns out, when it comes to selecting the right research method, timing is everything. So in marketing research, what we call qualitative is something that we probably would be doing more in the early stages of research where we really don't know very much yet and we just want to get an understanding of the issues or the problem. Then we gather eight, ten people into a room. They could be contractors or architects. It depends on what the topic is. And we hire an independent moderator so they don't even know it's healthy that conducts research. And we probably do that in different locations, like on the East Coast and on the West Coast and maybe in Canada, just so that we get a broad spectrum of feedback and can get different views. And now if we already know more about the topic and it's more about gathering quantitative data and getting a lot of people to respond and doing some statistics based on those findings, then it would be an online survey or telephone surveys. Another step then would be the design acceptance test, where there is not much more already there other than the idea of what the design could look like. Then in the next step, and that's probably the most frequent type of research we are involved with, with the product managers, are the customer acceptance tests. So I actually had the opportunity to help out on a customer acceptance test a few years ago. At the time, David Walker, who we heard from in the last two episodes, was the business unit manager for Diamond. Back then, Hilti had the radical idea that anyone should be able to retip a Diamond Corbett themselves. So we hit the road to find out what Corbett users had to say about Hilti's new exchange module concept. Also, just a quick note for our listeners, you'll frequently hear the word CAT in this episode. That's an acronym for Customer Acceptance Test. The one that Claire was able to experience with me, we went to New York and we had roughly 40 different users of a, of a diamond coring product in this example come into the Queens Hilti Center. We were out behind the, behind the store there. We were set up. We were doing coring all week with 40 different users. And that's an example of a CAT test. So in what we did in that week, we were testing the value proposition. So the customers would come in, uh, we would ask them some questions, some survey questions. Then we would go, you know, out back and we would actually do some coring with them. Then we'd go back in and ask them more questions. What'd you like? What'd you not like? How much would you pay for that? All of these different types of questions. And it's about an hour long process of, you know, a little bit of hands on and, and us interviewing them. It's right at an hour each. And during that, it's remarkably accurate in that we'll end a cat test with data that says, 
customers feel this is a value proposition for this product or they don't feel this is a value proposition or they would buy it because of this or they wouldn't buy it because of this or they would pay this much for it or they wouldn't pay above this much, right? So all of those questions that we're asking during that CAT test or that phase helps us to solidify what is the value proposition and then also our assumptions on pricing, right? So then I asked David if that style of customer acceptance test was one he would do on every product launch. It depends probably a little bit on, is it a new category we're trying to enter? Or are we really trying to change the way we do business? In the example of the core bits, we really were trying to go in a different direction with this, this multi-line approach. And so that was, that was probably a little harder to test on a job site where we really needed someone kind of focused on you know, some different questions. If we're bringing a next generation product to market, it's, you know, likely that we could go to users of the current generation and test acceptance of the next generation quite easily, right? They've been using a product. We have a a next generation product that's coming that has new value proposition, new features, new benefits, and we can test quite easily with those people that are already using the previous generation. After that, after the customer acceptance test, there's also customer confidence tests. That is where we really leave the tool with the customer for a while and they get to use it more than just 10 minutes. And maybe also have some technology on the tool where we then afterwards can read how much they used it and uh, how the tool performed. The technology Uda mentions is a pretty cool evolution to our product testing processes. Small data collection devices are attached to tools before they go out to the field. The devices themselves are tiny, roughly the size of an on-track tag, but the information they feed back to us can have big implications. To collect that information, a member of the product management team scans the device and reports the data back to the global development team. That's one way to do that. There also are you know, other ways. For example, a product manager might go out into the market and they might actually ride with an account manager or regional manager and go directly to customers taking a product and doing very much what uh, what we just described there in the in the Queens Hilti Center but they might go actually to the job side David told me that on average a product manager in North America will spend 35 to 40 percent of his or her time on the road meeting with customers and running field tests often with their marketing partners in the market organizations. By the time an early production product lands in Dallas, Texas, it's already gone through hundreds of hours of testing by our global team members, and will go through hundreds more on job sites across North America. Yeah, so our MOs do play a big part in in the development of the products. So basically the way it, it works is that the product managers from the hub basically work together with the trade managers on the market organizational level to help identify, again, the customer voice. So when they come out and want to do a questionnaire, our trade managers are heavily involved to select which customers are we going to go see, which account managers are we going to go see, and how, how do we collect the feedback. And then the questionnaires typically also come across our way to make sure that, the again, the way we ask the question, it's in an open way. It has the MOS you know, priorities in, in mind as well. And we want to stand behind then the feedback too, right? So we want to be part of um, hearing 
the voice of the customer so that when we come into market board or product board and you know have discussions around market opportunities, we truly have heard that there is a big opportunity for this and can request a certain uh, number of products. We can bring bigger inventory in. We can have good discussions about where the price point needs to be at. And we also can have good discussions about what should that value proposition message be based on what the customers told us. You know, if they if they say longevity of a product is super important, then that should be part of the value proposition. And if they say that that's the most important thing, then that should be the biggest message that we're bringing across in our marketing materials, in our trainings. The demo should be about that. So we we do make sure that um, what we hear comes back around then once we launch the product. So what our account managers likely have seen from us, from product marketing of any business unit, is the field test. And field testing really gets heavy now in this gate four. That's where we have more, maybe even production run tools. And we're then placing those with customers that give us good feedback, right? So we... We have customers around the country that have you know, worked with us in the past and give us good feedback. So we might be seeding some products for them to use just on a trial basis and gaining even more feedback because now it's not a prototype, it's a working, full-functioning product. So my name is Dave Swarsding. I'm a building construction account manager currently. Uh, I started at Hilti about 15 years ago. I started in the stores in LA and then I moved up here to the San Francisco Bay Area about 13 years ago. And I've had various roles from rental account managers to civil specialist to project manager and now back to BC building construction. Dave's had the opportunity to participate in multiple customer acceptance tests over the course of his career. So when we sat down together, I asked him to start with an overview of his experience. The way I understand a customer acceptance test is we have a, a product that's been through its early development stages, and maybe these are like a, then a, a prototype product or a product that's about to be launched. We then take 10 or 20 tools, bring them to some top customers that use that tool, put the tool into the customer's hand so we can get real live data on how the customer uses that tool, uh, if there's any faults with the tool, anything that needs to be improved. And then the tool is in the customer's hand for three to six months, um, then we collect the tool and analyze the data that the data of what the customers used. Can you remember the first time you had a customer participate in one of these tests and what product it was? I had a customer participate in the the inch and an eighth self-sharpening chisels like 10 years ago. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that was exciting. You had to bring the bring that brand new chisel, you know, to these different locations train each of the you know employees at those rental locations what this tool was or what this chisel was and then i'd be back every two to three weeks to take measurements of the lengths of those chisels and how they're being used collect all this data and then essentially give it back to my contact in corporate next i asked david what kind of response he gets when he approaches a customer about testing a new product i'd say there it almost always is excitement they like to see the new product they say, great, we're the first ones to see it. That's awesome. Let me take a look at it. Um, they'll give you their honest opinion. So excitement. So I can imagine a customer who's participated in the product development process like that mm -hmm. may feel in some ways even more bonded to Hilti after the experience be like because like somehow they've got skin in the game or yeah. something. I'm just curious about your take on that. Is that something you've seen? 
Yes. So, you know, when they test a product, just like you said, they're skin in the game. They're the first ones to see that product. They're excited to give their response. And oftentimes they're very enthusiastic about making sure that what they've done with the tool and the benefits and disadvantages of that tool are known to myself and the product manager. I had a customer who said, you know, I make sure that uh, the girl taking the measurements understands that this was a benefit and this was a problem. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to get that granular detail from that tool. And he says, well, make sure they get it. So um, yes, the customer feels like this is their product. Um, and then they're also excited in six months or a year when that product comes out and I can bring that tool and say, hey, remember you tried this drill out? Well, here it is in real life from a year and a half ago to a year ago to right now, you were part of the testing and now you can buy this tool. And they're often very excited and buy one right there. I would say, so the customer acceptancy testing, I've done several of them, they can take your time. So be prepared to you know, take an hour or so out of your day uh, at the beginning of the launch of the product to meet with the product manager. Make sure you bring that product manager out to the job site to get the tool to the right person on the right job site. Make sure everybody has everybody's phone number. It sounds silly, but the communication between the customer, yourself, and the product manager is important. So, to recap, we've learned who participates in market research at Hilti, how they do it, and what kinds of questions they ask to uncover the best information. But remember, on this podcast, we especially like to ask why. Yeah, um, I'll go back to my rotating laser uh, journey. When I took over that job, they had just launched a product, and it, I think we developed for about three years or so on this product. And we had really great growth on this line before, and this product came, and we were flat. And so I went back into the field to ask customers, you know. And so, you know, we were kind of then digging deeper as to what they really needed, what did they not need, what did they care most about. And if they choose a laser and they choose a company to partner with, what is the what are the top three things that they're looking for? And if they had to narrow it down to one thing, what would it be? And it was almost overwhelmingly the feedback around durability, you know, was the number one thing across the board, across all the markets. And and I was like, oh my God, you know, yes, we talk about it all the time, but we don't demonstrate it. We're not bold about it. We kind of muddied the waters a little bit with the message of it's easy to use and it's durable and it's, you know, it has great service offering and it, it just has a lot of features and functions. And even internally, our co-measures were surprised or not surprised, but they just didn't know exactly what to demonstrate. There was just so many things. And so they almost chose not to demonstrate it at all because it was kind of complicated. <laughs> and, and so then we really drilled down with the project team and can we message it, can we demo it, can we really be bold about it because that is the number one priority of the customers. And we did and we got there and uh, it was a bit of a journey but we got there and our account managers then started to drop lasers which was you know, a huge thing in the industry. Every customer always cringed when they did that. You know, like, can, can, these, can they really survive 120 drops? Can they survive 150? Because that's what the account managers are going to do. The customer will never do that, but the account managers will if we really ask them to demo it. And um, But we were really confident. And so we wanted to go really, really bold. And at the end of the day, it worked. It got us to number one market share. 
We really increased our account manager participation and at the end of the day, the feedback from the customers was like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. It's just nobody's ever gotten there, you yeah. know? And so that was a pretty eye-opening, I think, experience at the end that if you really keep it focused to the one or two things that the customer cares about, it makes a huge difference. Thanks for listening. Coming up on the next episode, it's time to launch. Three, two, one, zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. In This Case is a production of Hilti North America. To give us feedback, ask a question, or share an idea for a future podcast, email HiltiDirect at Hilti.com. Hilti.